Chris. Welcome to the pod. Oh, hey, Jake. Thanks for having me. Oh, how are you today? Well, that's that's an excellent question for for how I how my day has been going because it's um, I'm a um, kind of an, a little anxious mess as of late. I guess with fallout from the the positive you know the positive uh, outcome of the election, all the build up to that, and now this like whole denial of the election results and talk of coup and all this insane stuff that we've been facing anyhow for you know um four years and also during the whole time of covid uh i guess it's all just kind of crashing down on me finally this week and just like hey. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah I, like, I i get you we just talk it out you know just a little bit because it's just been watch 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 the news what's happening and you know it's just ultimate ultimate stress 2020 i mean i nobody would have expected this year to be like that you know oh yeah i mean i deleted twitter again today for like the 20th time in 2020 we'll see how many days i make it with it actually deleted off my phone i'm like trying to be excited because assassin's creed was supposed to arrive today and now it's delayed till tomorrow and i i want to hunt down a ps5 and like Apparently, they're doing pre-orders for, or, sorry, they're doing release day orders online only, and it comes out at 1 a.m. Eastern time on Thursday. So I'm like, do I stay up? Do I set an alarm and get up and try to get a PlayStation 5 pre-order in, or order in when it releases? Why isn't it midnight Eastern? Why is it midnight Central? That's annoying. So that's savage, but also for you, it's what, like six o'clock at night right now. So it is. And I, um, I actually was lucky enough to get a PS five off, um, PlayStation direct. Uh, so I was, I was pretty confident it was going to come. And all of a sudden I saw these people's orders getting canceled at like target and GameStop. I was like, wow, that's, that's dirty. <laughs> it was yeah. like, not even like within within a week of it coming. Um, so yeah, man, Valhalla. Oh, I wish. Yeah, I that game so bad, but I'm so busy right now that I don't know if I can dedicate that kind of time to that game. And it's supposed to be so epic. So I bought Miles instead. That's my launch yeah, game. and that's supposed to be technically significantly shorter, right? It's only like a 10, 12 hour game. That's correct. Yeah, it's um. It's it's they say it's as epic, which is cool. I never finished the first one, so I ended up buying the um, the combo with the the remastered one. So I'll just and now I heard that your save file transfers luckily, so I'll be doing that and then playing some miles. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah. So my whole point of getting Valhalla is I don't game that often. I just don't have the time for it. But I will play the Assassin's Creed game, and it came with a free upgrade to PS5. So I got the PS4 version. If I happen to find a PS5 before I beat it, I can finish it out on PS5, so I'm excited about that. And you know what? Um, You're only like my second out-of-state guest and second out-of-town guest. And usually I would start this up with a, a nice COVID update and I had stopped that for a while. But I think I got to mention this uh, for my Rochester listeners. I think I might have time to play because Monroe County was just declared a yellow zone uh, by our governor, which means that mass gatherings of 25 people 
now instead of 50. Businesses are still open, but uh, maximum of four people per table. The schools have to have mandatory testing of like 25% of their school. And houses of worship are down to 50% capacity. So we're like doing 200 cases a day and on the train to full lockdown again here. Yes. Um, I live in the opposite world of that. Uh, and I, it's been, I've been very happy to hear that you guys have not had any kind of, you know, too much, too much of it at first, but as Fauci warned, it was coming in the fall for a lot of the rural areas. Um, but I live, I live just outside San Francisco for those of, you know, who are listening. And, um, I live in a little County called Contra Costa County. And, um, we have, um, over 20,000 total cases. That's what's oh showing right now. Um, I guess this is each day. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. 20,193 cases plus 132 today. Yeah. yeah. I think we're at like 1500 total, uh, active cases right now. They just threw us back into the, we were actually out of the red and we we're getting back to, whatever they want to try to get normal again. And then today they went back to red. Um, so that was a big, that was a big thing because it was just, I, I actually am somebody like I, I lost one of my jobs because of it. I, you know, I'm not going to complain about it at all because, you know, I'm lucky enough to have a second, another one like my primary, but I worked in as a, as a beer tender. And so I watch like my boss, I keep in touch with them um, and they can only do so much because they serve food. They can have, um, they can have business, but if they couldn't, that would totally shut their business down. So it's like all like, it's just, it's been so like a roller coaster here because they're, they're like pushing, pushing, pushing. We'll open, open. And then it'll just, it just, I don't want to say avalanche is back, but it's just, it just comes right back. You know, it's, it's, it's scary. Well, the, the good news is, uh, and I'll say this from, it was a corporate memo, not something from the FDA, but uh, Pfizer's vaccine looks to be 90% effective. So that's going to be, you know, coming. What 90% effective actually means right now is questionable, but that news just broke this week. Um, and, you know, Biden is supporting a mask mandate nationally, and I saw that Utah's governor suddenly now supports a mask mandate after uh, Biden won, didn't win, whatever we want to call the state we're in right now, um, where it's not officially declared. And in previous elections, the loser would be nice enough to realize that they lost. But uh, we need to count only the legal votes. And so that means court fights to prove how much illegal voting there is, even though historically illegal voting has been almost non-existent. So it's, it's so insane to me. I, um, I've never seen such poor losers in my life. Honestly, it's, I, I guess a lot of my anxiety this week has been about that as well. Just, I guess also, the number of voters who actually turned out and voted for Trump uh, and when they surpassed even Obama's numbers, that scared the hell out of me. Um, and it's not like I'm scared quivering. I'm just scared for a nation. And I'm scared that 
the that that kind of I guess that kind of body of um, support is out there for somebody who created a very very poor track record, not just in four years, entire life. And I can get to more specifics on that in a little bit, but yeah, it's just it's an embarrassment. Well, yeah, I think this episode's going to be a little bit more political than we normally go, but I mean, it's that time of year and I will point out, you know, I think the statistics are out there to show that, you know, 70% of Americans don't actually pay attention to politics. They vote around party lines and with the record turnout, the record votes to Trump uh, are not surprising to me, but Biden, I think, is currently leading the popular vote by four million, which is more than Hillary uh, beat Trump by in the popular vote. Um, on my politics podcast, I made a huge argument for why we should be using the popular vote and not the electoral college. I won't go into that again, but I think what's more scary is the thirty percent of extremist Trump voters that are out there and the probably 15% of extremist, um, I won't even call them Biden supporters because I don't think they truly support Biden, um, but leaning extremism as well. Um, the ones that are, you know, going to peaceful protest and turning them violent. They're anarchists. The anarchist. Um, but the, unlike the Trump supporters, they might be backing Biden for a reason, but I don't think they're hardcore Biden supporters, the extremists on the other side. On the on the left? You mean? On the left side, yeah. Yeah, those, I mean, those are hard hardcore liberals. I mean, it's just, and I... I do agree with a lot of the liberal agenda, honestly, and, and progressivism. Um, but it was, you know, it really spoke to itself um, when not just one, but two arrests were made outside the um, the Philadelphia voting uh, facility where they're doing the counts. And it's just, that's what's, you know, that's what's really sad to me too. And I'm trying to change a lot of this anger because I am somebody who's just kind of like, don't mess with my country. I'm, you know, I like to think of myself as a real patriot. And when people are, I guess, pretending, it just that's what upsets me. And so, I was happy to see that two arrests were made. Um, that they were able to stop them. Not happy to see that they happened, but it's scary, you know. And um, it's just that's what you're like. That extreme extremism is is what's um, perpetuating, you know, this issue. And I think it's just it. It's it's could get worse. I don't want to be negative, but um, that's kind of another anxiety I have. You know, um, I will say that I, I don't have the knowledge for this, but uh, Robert Evans, who's a reporter who w- used to work for Cracked and he works for iHeartRadio now, created a podcast called "It Could Happen Here," um, where he he was a conflict journalist. He went over to the Middle East and did some stuff. And he has a really good podcast about how the civil war could happen here and how, you know, he brought it up on one of his other podcasts recently that um, he was in Iraq in one of the big cities and the city his hotel was in 
had nightclubs and bars and a full social life. And 25 miles away, there was a full-on civil war happening within the country. Like, and if this were to come to America, most of us wouldn't see the violence. We'd be in the cities. We'd be insulated. We wouldn't know what's actually, like, we'd be seeing it on the news, but not the actual downfalls of a civil war in america today yeah you know what that that actually also extends to i guess going back to how you said i guess what 70 percent of people are don't really care about politics they just vote along party lines and so you know i you know i pay attention to politics you pay attention to politics um i live in an area that's very 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 diverse and very liberal and i've always like i lived in new york city area and i've moved around this country and i guess seeing this country and 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 just being part like i just seeing the country seeing the different states and different different people i guess it's just been kind of like an education for me and i guess that will lack when it comes to some people and um they just will vote across like they, they're not paying attention they don't they don't see this racist stuff they don't see the the propaganda for fascism um all you know all the all the red all the red flags because they choose to kind of just live this, you know, normal American life. But the scary part about that is that it could tip so easily. And we're at this precipice. And my concern was people still don't care. Um, and I not, I guess that's, that's my opinion. But I, I feel like it's just people very indifferent to things. Yeah, I mean, there is that uh saying i don't know who said it but it's like for all it takes for evil to flourish is for good people to do nothing and um i mean i I took i was a history minor and i took a class on nazi germany and you know berlin pre-nazis was super progressive they actually had like a thriving cross-dressing community in berlin and um it just really came down to people didn't care and the extremes were able to rise up and take over the country and they all kind of thought well someone else will take care of it or it's not that bad you know he is making germany great again he you know he's taking care of the fake news uh you know it's good again here well you're ignoring the fact that people are being shipped on trains to their death. And I'm not saying that's at all where America is, but we're only ever one step away from it. And we have to keep that in mind. It doesn't take that much to tip the balance. Yeah. I mean, we were, I mean, if you want to trade um, groups in terms of the years, I mean, look what happened at the border for the last four years and just immigration policies and, 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 panning to that whole ideal of what America is not really about because America is a melting pot and it's all about immigrants Um, and turning that narrative to where people agree with it, but they don't, they don't talk about it. They, I feel there is a lot of, a lot of, I I don't feel, I know there's a lot of um, innate, I guess, racism. Uh, I grew up in a very small town and I grew up amongst it. I saw it. I had, you know, I had friends of other, um, you know, other colors, whatever, um, nationalities and whatnot. So it's just, 
and seeing that and hearing the way that people talk and just how much it's ingrained in two small small town America in a state that's New York so blue um, and then you you wonder what you know why the rest of America is like that and then you and when you see an election like this all these pockets these county red pockets um, it just I'm I shouldn't be so surprised I guess maybe I'm just more sad um, that it's just that easy to turn the other turn the other way well I mean in Rochester here, it only takes about a 45-minute drive outside of Rochester to start driving by three houses houses that are flying three flags. The three flags are the Confederate flag, the MAGA flag, and the United States flag in upstate New York. You know, not the Deep South, which everyone thinks you have to go to to find that. Upstate New York. I always I always call where I grew up in Olean, that area is, is the foothills, the Appalachian Mountains. Yeah. <laughs> It, it's it truly is but it's also you know that it's the beginning of that that part of that the rust belt um and what kind of you know what as you go into the south more it just kind of merges into the deep south so uh, i just living in the cities i was happy to get away from small town america because i felt that it you know i it was an education for me and i was happy that i had the opportunity to do that and i i guess that's why I'm trying to have more compassion towards the way people think about this because I did come from a small town and I understand what people are facing. Um, you know, so yeah, my, my dad's family comes from down that way. So my grandparents are from Wellsville and then they moved up to Churchville. So, you know, a lot of people think New York's a small state. It is not. The city's eight miles, eight hours away from me. I can make it to Pittsburgh, Boston, or Toronto faster than I can make it to New York City. And there is a lot of empty land. Uh, I'm sure once you, I've been to San Francisco for a whopping like 36 hours uh, for work one time. And I saw San Francisco airport and then part of Sunnyvale. So that's the most I've seen of California, but I'm pretty sure once you get out of the like congested cities in California, it's a lot of open land, especially up north as well, right? Absolutely. Um, the state, the state is really good about preserving land, uh, so you'll find pockets of population. And you know, California was a, is a, was a red state, and um, when you get out, even where I live, it's very blue collar. Um, it's, it's becoming more and more, you know, it's growing and it's, it is the Bay area, but right here, I mean, there's, there's plenty, it's such, it's such a mixed culture and I get frustrated when people are like, oh, liberal California. I'm like, listen, you have no idea. Like you go like half the state is, is Southern Cal, like from mid state down to Southern Cal, you could call it liberal. There's plenty of, there's plenty of red there too, but Northern California is, is red and, uh, the state it's, of Jefferson. Yes, exactly. And it's just like, I, that, that's the other kind of like fun. Like I just kind of, like I'm just, it boggles me the, the ignorance behind it because they, they just label people just label these, these areas as liberal, but they don't, they don't realize how really mixed America is. So just for my listeners who don't know what the state of Jefferson is, that's a movement within California to split California mm -hmm. so that part of it can become red. They can get 
senators and House members uh, that are more Republican and then split off the liberal part of California. Um, it's similar to New York, the people that want to split off New York City, but it's a much smaller split off in New York. I And those people don't really understand financial demographics that well. Um, so I... I, I always caution people when they're like, let's 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 break up a state, let's do that. Um, you, I especially especially states like New York and California. That's I mean I know there's a huge disparity between income in the state, but without a big city, where's your GDP coming from? I mean I'm going to get into this. It's like if if it wasn't for California, I don't know where a lot of money in this country would you know where's the country making the money you know besides arms dealing. Um, but, you know, um, that, which is also an internal thing, but that's a whole different conversation about California. But, yeah, yeah, I was I was I was moving there like, let's split into three states. <laughs> All right. I just moved here. <laughs> let's split well, away from the nation. OK, let's go. Let's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You guys have a, a budding independence movement, too, because, you know, if California became its own country. I think it'd be the fifth largest GDP in the world. Uh, yeah, it is. It's up there. So. It is. It's right behind the United States. Um, as the the I, last time I checked, it was the United States was fourth, and California was the fifth. Um, so I made I made a decision to move out here in 2017 based on um, a Trump getting elected, uh, and also I just I was I had this feeling like I I got to get out of what I was doing and and whatnot. So and it ended up I would have lost my job in New York because of COVID. So it was a good choice, but. When I moved out here, I I honestly didn't I didn't really understand fully um, how 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 different it is and how I I didn't really expect certain things, especially moving from New York City. Yeah, and you know I think I have a running theory that America is a country in decline, and I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, first of all, the founding fathers, I don't think ever anticipated America spreading from coast to coast with two states that are literally a remote island and connected to Canada. Um, and, you know, now with Puerto Rico voting for statehood, potentially another island state coming, um, which they deserve it, no taxation without representation. Um, you know, also an area of the United States that isn't represented at all because it holds the capital. So it's not a state, but it's not, it's a district. Uh, it's some special thing. Um, the Senate's broken mainly around the house majority leader and how that works, which is a non constitutional position. Uh, and I think everyone talks about too big to fail. And I wonder if America is at the point where we're too big to succeed. We're, and you know, that also comes to the fact we're trying to pigeonhole everyone as Americans and people have differing views. There's no reason every single state needs to be exactly the same. Um, so that's another thing. The, yeah, the only, the only thing that I would say that states should share is uh, equal education. Uh, because I don't feel like we should be educating people differently across this country or allowing certain groups to have influences over schools and, and providing literature and whatnot, especially if it's public school. Uh, but that's my only real qualm. Uh, that, that's a mess in the first place. But 
you know, it's it's funny uh, because you know, so many people, so many different people came to this country, and when you watch the migration trails and you watch where people ended up, and 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 how that affected you know the politics and the and the ideals and all that of the different regions of this country, I and. And because I believe that the Constitution is outdated and that uh, it, it needs to be rewritten for the times uh, and also because we and not just left up to interpretation and represent everybody equally. Um, so I always had this idea of like this council of, of, of regions. Um, so so, the, <laughs> so I, let, let me take a second to say read American Nations by uh, Colin Woodard. Uh, he makes a very good argument that, uh, well, he includes Canada and part of Mexico in there too, but that we are 11 separate cultural nations. Um, and he literally talks about ways immigrants spread out across America and how that affects beliefs. Um, what I didn't realize before reading this book, because, you know, even being a history minor and we don't get taught this, a lot of the founding fathers, especially for the South, weren't actually pro-democracy they were pro-aristocracy and that's how we got the semi-aristocratic system we have today it's not we are a republic we are not a full democracy um our mutual friend casey asked me when biden reached 270 if the election was over and i had to explain to him the electoral college and how it's not over, and actually the popular vote doesn't matter at all. We could get to December, the Electoral College could vote, we could get a ton of rogue electors and still wind up with Trump as president because we don't vote for the president. We vote for electors that are supposed to have our own interest, but they can do whatever they want to. That's insane to me. Um, and I remember I learned about that in the last the last election. I know I learned about it in school, but I don't remember school that well. But, um, and that's a frightening thing. Uh, so a reason why we need to take a look at documents that were written uh, 300 years now. Yeah. I mean, 400 years. I mean, it's insane to me, you know. And amendments happen. I think it was until 1911. Senators were not elected by the people. We elected our governors and governors appointed the state senators. Uh, there was no people's vote for that. They became popular vote around that. Um, I think it's absolutely scary that Mitch McConnell has the amount of power he has coming from one state. I think the House Majority Leader, House Minority Leader, or sorry, Senate Majority, Senate Minority Leader is completely broken at this point. But the Senate is still a good institution with flaws. Uh, I think America needs a, a constitutional convention to review our code of laws and we need to realize that these laws were written mostly outside of the amendments in 1789, I want to say. Because we had a code of laws, the Articles of Confederation, that did not work. And our founding fathers went, shit, this doesn't work. Let's start over. And we're there again. Maybe not start over, but a strong amount of amendments needed. Yeah, it's it's funny. I, I forgot what the percentage of countries that have thrown out their constitution and rewritten it since you know it they're since they started. You know, and it just 
America was, I think, is the longest running one. Um, and that just that's not that's not a trophy thing. It's like maybe maybe the it's supposed to you know get cha- you know it's supposed to be altered, it's supposed to be rethought and 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 reworked so that it works for everybody because you had a bunch of European immigrants coming in at that time. It's all this, I don't want to say the same mind thought, you know, mind thought, but I mean, it's not what it is today. And now, and now we have a blatant, blatant, uh, I guess, delegation of power for, for that class of um, original immigrants. Yeah. I mean, it comes down to the fact that we, we, we really need a full review of the Constitution. It is not a broken document, but a flawed document that those flaws need to be fixed. We need to stop operating under the assumption the Internet doesn't exist, oh. under the assumption that assault rifles don't exist, under the assumption that the press is fair anymore on both sides. The press is not fair anymore. I think, you know, one of the worst things that happened to the press was in the 1970s when they did away with, uh, you had to give equal time to the opposing view. So, you know, if you had someone on there fighting for Medicare for all, you had to, for five minutes, you had to give five minutes to the person that was debating, um, the insurance system we have now. So, what what is that i was just talking about this the other day what is that law um where you you can't report fake news what is what is that i forget what that's called exactly because like certain countries have it right where the media has to has to report real stories they can't go and and having they can't have something like an inquirer remember the inquirer was all we had to worry about um you know <laughs> like i guess just um altered facts and i get we didn't really have a big issue with that as much until the internet rolled around um and now i guess so many different so many different uh journalists out there and and people having their own agencies for to put news out and the media the media bias chart is 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 starting to pop and um i just i just wish that there was more regulation on that uh, I I do believe in free speech, but I don't believe that free speech should be false because it just it delivers you to the wrong conclusions every time. <laughs> yeah, um, I think humanity was not ready for the internet, and we are <laughs> suffering the downfalls of that. Um, we weren't evolved for the internet, and you know we didn't regulate the internet because we thought that the best ideas would win out and the screaming into the void is winning out. Any idea that's the loudest is winning out at this point. Um, I am strongly becoming, I want to call myself an anti-technological person. Not that I don't have a cell phone. I don't, you know, I listen to Spotify and stuff, but I reel the, realize the pitfalls of social media and these news platforms that exist out there to uh, corrupt people's views and, you know, take the worst in people and mix it up in a blender and make them even worse. 
Yeah, it's funny you're saying that you're gonna quit Twitter again. I was so close to quitting Facebook today. I've done it before. I've done six month like Johnson and everything. It's just it's not hard to do it once you do it, and I I always feel better. And I just it's so easy to get into that toxicity. It's just mm-hmm. there, and it's like it's everywhere. Even like I went to I, I I'm a big collector of of action figures and big geek like that and i went to one of my toy groups on instagram and i always kind of treat instagram like my little haven of not social media stuff even though i've followed more things i shouldn't be i should unfollow them because i want to just kind of leave that that as my area of of sharing what i do and 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 whatnot but my point is is that i went into the the comment section and this whole thing was like this guy was like are you gonna are you gonna call out (laughs) Gonna do a post on what Pedro Pascal said about Trump voters, how they're all Nazis and, and haters or whatever, whatever he said. And, and everybody's just like, just shut up. <laughs> just just get out of here. And he didn't stop. I mean, this was like like just trolling and trolling. And it was just, dude, just go away. We don't need this here. And it's just like, and that's my point. Everybody, like, that's one thing. There's another layer of it where everybody has an opinion and everybody is is guilty of it. But this over this over opinionated I'm behind my computer thing is so so it's it's such a problem these days. Uh, and that everybody I'd love when we could you know agree to disagree at one point in our lives. But now it's just like your opinion sucks. You suck. Everybody you know sucks. And and that's it. And um, I hate you. And it's like, it's so bad. Um, and that's just kind of when we talk about the downfalls, I guess, of this country and society in a way, it's it. I feel like it's all connected. Um, and that's the scary part as we watch ourselves kind of implode with just not being able to stand each other. And we can just do it digitally now. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so my my politics podcast, me and my co-host are uh, of differing opinions. He is right-leaning. I am left-leaning. But I love getting together with him. And on probably 80% of the stuff we discuss, we actually agree. But there's some policy that we disagree on. And that's okay. You can disagree with someone on policy. The problem is when they're now your enemy because they don't agree with you or they want you dead because you're different than them. And that's the problem. That sounds like um, Al Qaeda to me. <laughs> yeah, and the same ideas, right? It's all extremism. It's just going to the extreme, and we don't we don't need to do that. And tr- like this this whole four years of this presidency and the fight between left and right and demo- and Democrats versus Republicans and me versus them and this that and it's all it's all that tribalism and. You know, that administration did an excellent job at feeding into it um, and feeding and fanning that fire. Uh, and and because of that, I feel like we're not just talking about Republicans and Democrats anymore with with what's happening now. Um, it's beyond that. Uh, I, I, I'm a big proponent that, you know, the Republican Party is dead, that they need to reform themselves, that Trump has taken it to a whole different way, that even a... I get people vote along party lines, but when when Republicans really look at this, and it, and I don't really, I know a lot of Republicans that don't agree with um, what what what's been happening, and that's a good example of your show that you can talk about things and we can disagree, 
But it shouldn't have come down to I'm disagreeing with you and you're gonna shoot me with your AK forty seven. Wait, you mean the Lincoln Project's not gonna save the GOP and you know bring them back to normalcy? I I liked what the Lincoln Project represented, but they it was a good test of of that that concept is not gonna work. Um no. it's sad and it just like but this is also where we need to start looking at more parties and what and 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 getting away from the two party thing because that's what we're allowing to happen here is like the you versus me thing. And I think that's the most dangerous. Um because it is so bipolar. Yeah. Uh more parties, coalition governments. Uh I don't think a single party should ever really be in control of the house or the Senate. They should have to form coalition governments. A popular vote would allow third parties to, uh, you know, come in and start winning things. Uh, the Libertarian Party might become a bigger party than they are today. Um, the Green Party might become a bigger party. Uh, there's another party forming out of the Democrats called the Movement for a People's Party because the Democrats have their own issues. I, do, do I love Joe Biden? No, um, not at all. But. Trump radicalizes and he radicalizes on both sides and he's made Twitter a cesspool that, you know, I find myself getting radicalized into, you know, views that that's why I leave for a while. I I think I don't want to say Joe Biden will be a return to normalcy because the normalcy of Barack Obama is what led to Donald Trump. But I think. Joe Biden will be a return to a point we can get better from. He's not a cure, but he's a band-aid to get us to that cure. Yeah, it's ba- that's my line. The band-aid one is is exactly it's it's spot on. Um and, you know, Kamala Harris that that was a great, you know, moment for America as well. I'm glad that, you know, he made that choice as for VP uh, I wasn't a big fan of her running for president. Um, I, you know, I have I have other other views besides you know the more middle of the road Democrats, um, and I don't and I'm not a big fan of the, the Democratic Party myself because of what happened in 2016 with Bernie Sanders. Uh, but I do feel that everybody did come together this time to do what needed to be done. But you know if biden is to be successful he's going to have to also embrace this progressive idea not fully but he's going to have to listen to everybody well we're already seeing that get rejected because they nominated chuck or voted for chuck schumer to be the house or senate minority leader again and nancy pelosi has already announced she's running again um you know these octogenarians that are running our government are also part of the problem i mean joe biden's going to be the oldest president ever uh, Mitch McConnell is going to be 84 when his current term ends. Um, and the dark side of the force is already trying to burst through his hands. So, uh, I don't know how much longer he can hold in the dark side of the force. Uh, it seems to be trying to kill him. <laughs> I, 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 I would love to see him just like say, I am the Senate and then like shoot. <laughs> lightning from his hands at one point during like his speech in, 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 in the Senate. Um, and then they would have to take care of him with their lightsabers. But yeah, he is a disgusting guy. 
honestly. Um, he's the worst of the. He's the worst of them all. <laughs> so I, I had a joke about him before COVID hit and everything that I thought would have been funny. It was to, uh, you know, start a group called the Followers of McConnell and to send him a gift of a black robe and a red force action lightsaber and then just have a bunch of people show up to his office in black robes and then go, yes, my lord, your hate fuels us all and like literally build a Sith cult around Mitch McConnell. If he starts calling the Senate Exegol, we know we're in trouble. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, That's genius. I, That's genius, Jake. I, I, now we can't. It's COVID times. It's not going to be as easy. <laughs> but the Sith were known for reading, wearing breather masks. You could actually almost pull it off even better, making people look even more Sith-like. Uh, so, you know, get them yellow eye contacts, like fully embrace it. You know, this... This brings me to my theory I wanted to present to you. I have a theory about Star Wars Episode Nine. So we do Star Warriors together. Mm -hmm. I found the script for uh, Duel of the Fates, the uh, Kevin or Colin, I can't remember. Chevro's version of the script. And I've started reading through it and watching some videos of it. And I'd like to do a full podcast on it. But it's a much darker version of the movie. Um, then we got, I think significantly better. I think rise of Skywalker was not a good movie, but it really made me start thinking star Wars represents what people, what the director is currently thinking of the situation around. Everyone says the prequel trilogy was about the Bush administration. Um, and it kind of was, but it made me think what, uh, those two movies differ in is the redemption of Ben Solo. You know, JJ presented this hopeful view that the evil can be cast from him. He can be redeemed. And there's actually the secret evil, the emperor that's been controlling him this entire time. Wherein uh duel of the fates, he isn't redeemed. He embraces the evil. He falls down the pit. And I'm like, that's just such a different view of the way the world is going between those two movies. It also would have broke the whole, I guess, Star Wars theme of redemption. I was not a fan of, I was, let me put it this way. I like the character of Ben Solo. I'm okay with what they did in that movie um, for the most part. But I was not a fan. I wanted to go into this movie thinking that he was not going to be redeemed. I didn't want him to be redeemed because that was too easy. That was the Vader route. Um, and I I felt like Kylo Ren did so much stuff. So much, so much stuff that I don't think that he could have, you know, came back from that or wanted to because he would have been like, you know what? I have to do one better than my grandfather. And I'm not, I cannot go to the light side is it will not let the light side corrupt me. Yeah. I, I was not a fan of rise of Skywalker. I'm not one of those people that are like strike it from the cannon. No work with what you've got. But I think there's at least a couple scenes that should be strict from cannon, but that's <laughs> also because they go against established a canon already and you know just get rid of that scene so that like canon's not confusing i think they need someone that's like you know 
holds the Bible of what's canon and reads the script and goes, oh, you said that they're going to attack in 12 hours, but they're actually at least a couple light speed jumps away. And we've already established light speed does not mean instantaneous. There's no way that attack could have happened in 12 hours. Uh, uh, and the podcast you want the emperor to release that's on Fortnite, that's probably <laughs> a bad idea. Uh, f- like what? He's just back and you're establishing it on a Fortnite release instead of that book. Uh, yes. So the, that book that they did, the, um, resistance book, mm-hmm. I totally think that person had the script for Duel of the Fates because it makes more sense to the Duel of the Fates script than it does the Rise of the Skywalker hmm. script. So that's cool. I um, I'm excited to do a read of that one. Yeah, but I, I actually quit reading that book because I just I got mad at it. <laughs> it's in like a week. It wasn't a tough read. Yeah, and I was like, it it's okay. But it it has zero, like, absolutely zero consequences or pull on the world at all. None of the characters they set up in the book that aren't the main characters show up in the movie. Like, it just makes no sense why that book exists. I... I'm 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 an up, upward love relationship with Star Wars again thankfully. It was it's been a roller coaster ride since um Rebels ended and then the the sequel trilogy got kind of messy. So well, Mando yeah, uh, thank, thank the god thank the gods. Yes. From the certain point of view Empire came out today. Yes. Uh, I, I cried over a wampa. Uh, I never thought that was going to happen, that they were going to make the one character in the book. And I'm like, they did what to the Wampa? And that's why he responded? Okay, I understand his motivations now. I'm very excited to read that book. I was The first one was so genius. Um, and I just, I love that kind of stuff because it is, it's a really smart idea. That's it. <laughs> it's the great thing. I love how I I've said this before, but the best stuff that's happening now isn't happening in the main steer series. We got Mando, the Thrawn stuff. Everything's happening auxiliary to the main series. That might have, you know, small connections, but I think the main story has been told and I, I think there's more story for Poe, Ray, and Finn and Rose to come, but it's not anytime soon. Their story for right now is done. So, yeah, they gotta let they gotta let this this trilogy settle. I I will say I watched Rise again the other day, and I was like, you know, it's not bad. And I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so. That's how politics brought us to Star Wars because I just thought of the different messages that were being portrayed in those two versions of the script. I also think that that's also why I get very upset about politics because I am very much, I very much love the politics of Star Wars, and I, you know, it's always been a part of my life. And and watching, you know, the Empire 
and how bad it was and then watch what happens in our society <laughs> kind of parallel that i'm just like hmm. we are the resistance so what you have to remember is the empire was good for some people <laughs> and for some people it wasn't that different than the the republic so what's the difference i mean it's it's the hubris of the new republic they thought that what happened to cause the empire was going to work again, that they could just go back to the Republic and the first order rose from the ashes. They were actually a fractured nation where there were some free pirate nations and some nations that didn't even join the Republic. And I think bringing star Wars and politics together, there's some Democrats now that are celebrating Biden's win because that's the return to the Republic. And it's like, no, like if Trump's gone, he's going to be out on the outskirts starting the first order. He's going to run a couple project cinders, you know, and what will return in four years is going to be a lot worse than Trump. And they're going to have a whole planet Death Star now that can destroy a whole star system. Is the Death Star only bigger? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but it's... It, and you know it's it's funny because you would imagine that it would be just all right we're we're trans we're transferring to the next president everybody's going to be along for the ride but his diehards you know Lindsey Graham and these 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 Republicans who have totally sided with him they know that that voter base is there and yeah. that voter base has just proven how strong it is and so you know Trumpism is not over um, and even if Trump is not here in four years there's going to be somebody else somebody who might be even more you know you know might be even a better candidate because donald trump does have a lot of flaws and 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 um and skeletons in his closet so wait just wait until they they find somebody who's a little more pure and that people can't be like you know it's it's come back donald trump yeah no it it'll be someone who is better at being Trump than Trump is. Yep. So it's, he's a symptom. He, he's a symptom and Joe Biden's not a cure. <laughs> I'm sorry, people, you know, for my 10 listeners, uh, you know, that are actually a variety of people. Joe Biden is not a cure to, you know, the issue at hand. Um, and you know, what scares me, as I've said before, I, I, I'm not sure America will be any different 10 years from now, whether Trump won a second term or whether Biden won. It's just the road we would take to get to where we are 10 years from now. I'm not sure it's going to be different. It, you know, it's funny. I, um, I, I voted in the Bush election, right? I was, how old was I? What year was that? Um, early 2000s, right? So it would have been like 2004? 2004? 2000, right? Was it? 2000, 2004 were Bush's elections. Right. 2000 was the one where it came down to Florida, the hanging chads. Uh, Gore would have lost the recount, but it was close enough that it caused a lot of issues. That's it. So I was, I was 20 years old. It was 20 years ago. Think about it this way. And this is why it's kind of a strange parallel. To, um, and here, and I thought that was like the worst thing ever. I'm a young kid. I'm fired up. I want to go down and protest and I want to fight 
the good fight against these these cheaters and these this this these oppressors who were just trying to take the take America, whatever. Oh my gosh, you know. And then it was, and now we're like, oh, George W. Bush isn't that bad of a guy. <laughs> it's like <laughs> twenty years later, I'm in the same boat, but it's worse. I was, like, you don't think about it that way because most people will get more conservative as they get older, I guess. But it's 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 really kind of crazy to me that it's it's these exact almost time periods um it's just coincidence but um it's 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 a lot worse this time and um it's it's funny that we think that oh we we cured the disease uh with with obama but it was great and obama did great things but there was a lot of people who who just were not for it and um i don't understand why actually but Unfortunately, um, it 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 actually took us to the like you said earlier, it actually propelled us to an even further extreme than what George W. Bush was. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've become more liberal as time went on. My very first election was Obama McCain. I voted for McCain, um, though I would probably not vote for McCain again today. I I would die to go back to a time where the Republican Party nominated John McCain for president. Uh, you know, then I voted for Obama and then 2016 living in New York, I had the luxury of not having to vote for Hillary Clinton because it's not a popular vote. And, uh, I, I have problems with Hillary Clinton and her corporate Democrat stuff. So I voted Johnson and then I voted Biden again. So I've been across the spectrum. Um, I'm definitely, I call myself a state's right Democrat in that, you know, I want the state I live in to be more democratic. But I, as we mentioned earlier, I don't think we should go forcing unitary views across all the states. There should be some unison. I think it's outlined in the Declaration of Independence that, you know, the goal of a federal government is to preserve life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And everything the federal government does should be striving towards those three goals. Um, liberty and voting rights, life in, I actually do support universal health care because I think it would be unfair if one state had it and another state didn't. Also, it would be a lot easier to fund in a federal level. But I don't think we're at the point yet where you can have disagreeing views, or I don't think we're at the point anymore where you can have disagreeing views. And I'm also at the point where I feel like people don't even want you to have views where you're like, yeah, I'm mainly liberal, but I actually support this one more conservative thing. And they're like, you support that thing? Or even on the conservative side, I'd support this one liberal thing. No, that's not a view you're allowed to have. And we shouldn't be like that. Did you see that really, really kind of scary thing that came up the other day, the Trump Accountability Project? Was that? No, I don't think I saw that one. So take a look at it but I'll go over it a little bit. Um, it's basically like report people, you know, who support Trump or voted for Trump. Not, not, not people who are maybe domestic terrorists or a threat to, uh, you know, people's lives. We're talking about like your neighbor or your friend. And I was like, like my friend and I were talking about this and she was like, this is, you know, this is insane, honestly, because we need the people we need to hold accountable are politicians, you know, who represent the people uh, if we start re- like reporting our neighbors like that, what does this database even, you know, what is it meant for? I mean, that's 
that's basically the same thing as like rounding up people and send them to concentration camps or putting them in internment camps, you know, in America. So I, it's frightening um, that we're at that point on both sides. Um, and I, I grew up my whole life, right? I, I, I was adopted. And this year I found out that I'm a quarter Japanese. And so my, I think about these things like about people's pasts and, and not learning from it and, and why these kind of things would come up and, and just kind of starting to embrace that, 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 that part of my, you know, my heritage, it is scary to think that, you know, people were just, just rounded up because of, their nationality or now who they voted for. So that's, that I, that scared me because, you know, on one side we have fascism on the other side, we have fascism. Yeah. I mean, it's just a different type of fascism. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, that is scary. I did not hear about the Trump accountability project. You know, uh, there's other things that scare me too. Uh, like when I heard about what's it called? Project 1776 Trump's education plan that he wants to treat American exceptionalism. And I'm like, you can teach the good the country's done while also teaching the bad the country's done without going America bad. Like, no, things aren't black and white. They're shades of gray normally. And yes, America's done great things. We also slaughtered Native Americans. We, we, we gave them smallpox blankets and led them through the Trail of Tears. That's not a good thing. You can't say that, you know, everything America's done is good. And this Trump accountability project is the same level of scary to me, but just from the other side. You shouldn't be reporting your neighbors I would bet that the majority of your Trump supporting neighbors, if they're not flying MAGA flags in their yard, are actually, you know, you talk to them, agree with them. I know there's some people that stay away from people with MAGA flags just because it's a certain level you have to get to to be flying that on your truck. So I want to. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's you know, that's 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 the thing about the. The, the party lines and, and sticking with your Republican beliefs. And that's, that's, that's fine. And that's what America is about. And that's what it's supposed to be. So it's, it, it's scary. And to kind of touch on the education thing again, and like I said, I always, I feel like, you know, standardizing education across the country would be important and that, you know, we're, we want to educate our, you know, if you want to invest in something, you want to invest in the future, invest in education, invest in the kids and, 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 and raise them. Right. So we're talking here where Trump is saying, well, what they're teaching in school is, is wrong. It's against America. I, I have no idea what he's talking about. I grew up, I went to school. I didn't learn about the bad stuff America did really, the really bad stuff that America did until I went to college. So college I didn't is, know about the Tulsa riots and massacre the, until yes. Watchmen. Yes. Me until too. Watchmen. I did me not too. know about that. Oh my God, dude. I was like, are you freaking serious? Like I, I thought this was like, I, I had to go look it up because I actually thought that was still just like a made up thing. And then it's just like, holy shit. Um, I talked to one of my black coworkers <laughs> after the episode. and I was like, oh, my God, I didn't know about this. And she's like, you love history. And I was like, yeah, I was never taught this at all. And she goes, really? And I was like, yeah, no, this was just washed over. This never happened. 
So, yeah, we already teach American exceptionalism in schools. Like, we really gloss over some of the bad stuff. Exactly. The fact that, you know, Christopher Columbus Day has been a a holiday that, you know, people are getting off, you know, and we're celebrating that. And then all of a sudden it's like, nope, nope, he's he was a bad guy. Let's do Indigenous People Day. And I'm all for that. I'm also for replacing Columbus Day with, you know, voter, you know, National Voting Day. So I just I I get confused about this rhetoric. And that's what it is. It's just it's just rhetoric. Um, And it's just getting people who don't know any better. And this is where we got to go back to the compassion thing, where we have to have this understanding of like Trump. I don't want to call people stupid. I really don't. But that's, you know, what Trump said. He's like, I, I, I'm sorry, not stupid, uneducated. He likes the uneducated because of that. And if somehow he was able to revert American education even farther back, that's, that's going to make our country even worse and even more sheepy. Yeah, I think American education is a another broken system in my point of view because there are certain things every student should learn. Uh, history, uh, some philosophy, some ethics, um, how to balance your checkbook, how to do your taxes. But I also think teaching to a standardized test to the level we do does not allow kids to explore their creativity. It teaches them how to enter a workforce that honestly isn't ready for them anymore because now they have to go to college and guess what? You have your master's. That means you can get an entry level job and none of the entry level jobs will hire you because they want five years of experience. Mm -hmm. Like it's a broken education system too, but I think there should be some basic fundamentals to education. Um, And a lot of it is around the humanities which a lot of people don't think we need anymore. But I think the humanities are very important. History, political science, philosophy, ethics are probably the most important things you can learn initially and just thought processes. I think that's the other problem is we don't teach saying teaching people how to think sounds horribly because it makes it sound like I'm trying to say, no, you think this way, but how to think critically. how to look at two sides of an argument and come out with your own opinion after and not demonize someone who might come out thinking differently than you. And I think, I think the problem with that is they, they teach it too late. Um, a lot of those kind of classes, I, I, I only remember from college and I wish that there wasn't, like you said, such a concentration on, on these, I'm going to bring up just regents uh, for New York example, I guess. Um, and, Regents national, right? But nonetheless, my wife's a teacher, and so I'm a little more biased towards um, the the whole the whole scope of education and how it's treated in this country. And so, I I wish I wish more people could see that, but you it definitely shows in how we um, pay teachers and how we. Um, treat teachers and the education system how we value it in this country and that's and that's sad yeah and i mean i think that's where uh the i love the poorly educated that you mentioned comes from we need to put education as a, a key feature for america the better educated we are you know the better we are as a country uh we can be the country again that you know we can have the scientists that solve the climate crisis. We can have the scientists that 
if you want to do it for military purpose, build the biggest bombs. But we can't do it if we don't have the educated people to do that. That It's a key thing. Exactly. And so what's going to happen is if the country stays on this trajectory, we will have more and more brain drain. And that was actually what other countries were suffering, you know, when a lot of their smartest minds were leaving to go to come to America because of the opportunities. And hopefully we can get back to being more progressive in that respect. But I do fear that if we don't revolutionize the education system in this country, there's going to be major fallout eventually from that. Well, I think that brings me into segmenting us to the next section. Um, I like to discuss a conspiracy, philosophical idea, historical idea, every podcast. And I think I've already on the podcast talked about Gnosticism, but I've got a, been branching off into that again. So uh, not really something taught in school. Do you know anything about Gnosticism? I do not. Okay. So uh, it comes from the Greek word gnosis, which means knowledge. And it was an early cult of Christianity. Uh, it died off. Uh, maybe stayed around in secret, and it was kind of rediscovered in the 1940s, where in Egypt we found a, a vase, and in that was some of the books of the Bible that never made it in there, including like the book of, uh, there was like another prediction of how the world was going to end, and there was the book of Judas in there, so we kind of started to learn about them. And they were, uh, they had a very interesting view of Catholicism and the church. Uh, they believed the Jewish God Yahweh was a false God. Um, so they were actually polytheistic and believed that true God could never be known by humanity. There was these things called demiurges that were um, the lesser gods. And one of those created earth and his name was Yelgab. Both, I think is how you pronounce it. And he kind of created corrupted humans. And that's where our hate and our fears and stuff come from by the fact we weren't created by the creator of the universe itself. And they kind of said that, you know, hated on materialism and said that we could seek knowledge and find true enlightenment. They had some semi Eastern beliefs mixed into it. I was just going to say that sounds very Buddhist to me. Yeah, they, they definitely had some Buddhist beliefs drawn into it. But, uh, I, I, you know, it, it, I like mythology and it triggers my, like, this trickster god created this earth. Like, you know, it gives me the concept that, you know, the creator of earth was like Loki <laughs> or something, you know. And that's an interesting concept. And I think... You know, it plays in today, too, where, like, you look at these, like, church segments that are, like, the prosperity gospel. And, like, you got to wonder, like, did have you ever read the Bible? Like, this seems like a very corrupted view for you to get rich. Well, your followers suffer. What was that guy? Um, Kenneth Copeland. Oh, his crazy laugh recently? Yeah, where he was... did the Joker laugh about Trump winning. And then all the people were doing it, were standing up, doing it. It was like, 
speaking in tongues. It's like a lot, like I've been watching more of that lately um, because I've had this concentration on, and it's not a good one um, because I, I, I've, I don't, it's a lot of rancor, but um, I just, I grew up, you know, with Christian beliefs and I, I, I believe that a lot of them are the basis of just being a good person. Right. And I get frustrated that, that people can be led down such a false path for that. And yeah, that, that whole thing with, it just freaked me out. It freaked me out. Did you watch, uh, American gods at all? Okay. So I've only seen the first season, but one of the things that stuck with me from the first season is when they're at the Easter um, celebration at the end, and there's multiple Jesuses, Mm -hmm. because Jesus is so believed, and each Jesus is unique. And it made me kind of think of a story of, what would the megachurch Jesus be like? You know, this Jesus in a fine-tuned suit, you know, kind of spitting on the poor more than helping them. Like, it just gave me this idea to kind of run with. And uh, I don't know if Casey's told you about this, but he has an idea for, like, a a collection of comics about Crossroads stories. I was talking to him about it, and it's kind of triggered some ideas for me, like, what a Crossroads story would be. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, um, I'm a big fan of American Gods. Um, I'm glad that it's coming back for season three. I thought it was canceled, but yes, that actually that you bring that up, that actually brings kind of things into perspective a little bit better for me. Um, but my, I guess we're getting kind of off topic, but, um, yeah, I just, I just, it's doing one, it's saying it's a classic thing. It's, it's, it's believing one thing and doing another it's, 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 and I just, it really bothers me a lot, I guess. I just, I don't want to get into it too much on that aspect of it because, I'm trying not to, but it's just, I just don't understand how you can believe that you're, that you're doing the right thing and, and you're, and what you, what you represent is, is the complete opposite. Yeah. And, you know, I think, uh, one of the things that, you know, I find super interesting about Gnosticism is, you know, it's one of these Christian beliefs, you know, if you're even taught about in school, other religions at all, I remember my school had a, uh, one semester in high school world religion class. And I think we learned about like Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, uh, Hindu and Christianity. But that was like all it covered. It didn't cover any of the native American religions. It didn't cover any of the sects of Christianity other than, you know, Martin Luther put his theses up and that caused a split. But I think there's an interest in, for me in learning about these religions and then looking at this one and kind of seeing like some of the tenets of Buddhism in it. And it makes me wonder like, was there crossover in the world where, you know, like these people were interacting with early Buddhists and it was shaping these beliefs or, you know, did they maybe come both from the same belief structure previously? Like did some, I don't know if Greek beliefs came down to both areas or Roman beliefs came down to both areas. Like, especially when you had polytheism and you could have a a town that worshiped a specific God that had a specific belief set. Yeah, exactly. Um, And it's interesting because when, when did it all convert? Like when did it all converge at one time? You know, when, 
when did man start these beliefs? Was it very early in, in man, like man's evolution and man's movement across the globe? Um, if you watch, you know, if you look at the early pathways of man, it's not like we all came from the same place, if you want to believe that. And um, so along the way, certain things, you know, were set up and certain rules and 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 why things happened were explained or whatever. But what it comes down to is when you look at religion, they do have all these this connective tissue, these connected um saying um, sayings and, and 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 beliefs and whatnot so i i'm i'm a heavy believer that a lot of like religion at one point was one thing and it came from from that whether or not we've really discovered what that is yet or um I'm, yeah i just that's my thing if we all come if we all come from this this idea of what is right or wrong it's amazing how bastardized that's become in our society. That's yeah. what, uh, that's one of the scariest things to me. The interpretation. Yeah, and I, I think for me, one of the things is like in having an interest in mythology, I, I think the fact that humans don't have a myth that really drives us anymore, like even in small communities, like it, it's, I think religion had a moral compass to it that you know has been corrupted over time but i think america's driven by this myth of like the american dream or pull yourself up by your bootstraps and those those aren't myths that tell you to you know do onto your neighbors you would do onto yourself treat people good you know um that there's this karmic balance that you know for every bad deed you do it must wait evenly on the good scale, like, you know, or every good, you know, bad deeds don't go unpunished. And like, I see, I see the corruption in people in when, I don't know if I believe in an afterlife, but there was a drive for them to act better so that they could get into the good place. And I think a lot of people don't believe in it now and they, they, you can see that humans can get corrupted without some sort of reward system to believe in. And it's funny because, um, and I guess that's, and I guess that's the viewpoint of a lot of, a lot of um, the Christians in this country as well. Like the very one, the ones that really believe that society has, has started to kind of crumble and that people are moving away from God and that there's only, there's only a certain path back to that. And that's, and that comes full circle to how I don't understand how Donald Trump becomes that person. He's a Christian savior for some sects of the religion. I don't get it. Yeah. I just, I, I, I don't get how someone who is so greedy, who literally before the presidency lived in a golden room in a tower, like he is, he is the Pharisees yep. and they voted him in who's had three wives, who's cheated on his wives, who has gone bankrupt multiple times, has not held his financial responsibility, and he's he's a Christian savior? I don't get it. I'll read. I want to read a, um, a passage <laughs> <laughs> uh, from Romans uh, 16, 17. 
And it says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. And this this idea of a sheep's and wolf 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 in sheep's clothing is a good analogy for that. And I and I I I guess being somewhat intelligent, it's hard for me to kind of understand how somebody could suspend their beliefs, but I do it every time I watch Star Wars. So <laughs> I, I, uh, I guess I'm becoming more compassionate to that too. <laughs> Thank the maker. Uh, yes, exactly. Well, I mean, and part of what drove me to this was, is Trump not Yelgaboth? Is he not a corrupted version that pushes materialism and corrupted views onto people? Like, yet people think like there are people out there that think he's the second coming of God. I will say that is a limited group of Christianity, but there are people out there that believe that. And it's just, it's, you know, it's interesting. I've really started to get into anthropology and history and trying to understand tribes and how we all live together and, you know, part of the reason I'm becoming anti-internet is I just don't think humans developed for tribal culture. You know, we up until even 50 years ago, we lived in tribes of 150. Even if you lived in a city, you didn't really go outside of your city block and you knew almost everyone in that city block. But with globalization and the internet, humans live with everyone and now tribes are becoming anti-vaxxer groups and cue and these things where someone feels just a little bit of an outcast and someone can be like no come here we'll welcome you in and slowly just corrupt you more and more so that you think your family is your enemy because they don't agree with you there are there is a a subreddit it's called QAnon casualties that are about families that are being ripped apart because of Q right now the humans are not developed for the way we're living. And that concerns me. And COVID has made it worse. Oh, COVID's made it significantly worse because now we can't be with our groups. And, you know, if it weren't for this global culture, COVID wouldn't have spread the way it spread. You know, Um, I'm hearing of these things called COVID pods now. Have you heard about these? No. So you stay, you pick a group of like, 20 to 25 people you're pretty much building a small tribe and you all agree that you know you're stacy's gonna homeschool everyone and jim's gonna go get the groceries and all this stuff so that there's limited interaction outside your little pod and you know that if covid comes in covid's come in but it's harder for it to get in because you're not having interactions like you normally would actually i i we did that um, up from March until August, um, my wife and I, we lived with her sister and her family and there was eight of us in the house and that was it. We didn't, we drew the line at the, you know, nobody, like if somebody's going out, it's, it's one person. Yeah. So I, I, I'm sorry. I do, I do fully understand that. <laughs> okay. Um, and so we did that. And like I said, we live in a vastly populated area so it was it was a much different story and um yeah i um i it's 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 kind of crazy that all of this stuff is kind of compiled in 2020 um and yeah. that we're 
it's 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 and i guess that's i guess that's why i can say i understand why i have like this huge anxiety today and 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 how do i how do i deal with that moving forward because there is so many so many elements just raining down upon us well i mean it it comes down to tribes are reforming personally tribes are reforming on the internet and there's an ingrained fear of the other tribe you know you have to be afraid that they might attack at some point and when it's been brought to the scale that it has it's it's dangerous it's very dangerous yes exactly and like we said, uh, the less you have to face somebody, the less interpersonal skills you have. Um, and that was kind of the scary thing about the internet and kids growing up these days. Um, I grew up with no internet, uh, and generations before me did too. And like, yeah, it's, it, people adapt to who they are, of course, but there's, I feel there's less face to face these days. And that's what's becoming one of our biggest issues in this country. Um, and that's it. It's just interpersonal relationships. Yeah, actually, uh, I'll kind of end on this and we can start the wrap up from here, but I, I had an idea. I just finished this book called the algorithmic leader and it's about algorithms and businesses and how businesses are going to grow as computers can do more and more of the work and how, um, as that happens, peer to peer, relationships are going to become the more important job like csm jobs customer success managers making sure customers are happy with what the program is doing for them and i kind of thought of like what if so i know like amazon has a chat bot but with video calls becoming a big thing i i came from retail what if like it got want to chat with a sales rep and literally a video box popped up and you could chat with a sales rep and be like, oh, I see you're looking at the uh, Xbox uh, Series X versus the PlayStation 5. Is there any questions I can answer for you? And instead of being more than just a chat, it's like an over video sales relation that could happen. I do like that idea. I do a lot of, you know, chat talk in order to fix orders and and different things like that it would it would be nice to have that kind of aspect and it would just face to face the big thing um and it's just it's not even just about getting along it's 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 how you learn cues and all that all those different things that we have to learn how to as humans or as animals how to react to each other and it's just the more we're apart the more we create this this division and this and this paranoia i believe and it's it's something that we need to work on moving forward we need to start interacting with people face to face again it's really important for our future yes well uh so thank you for coming on thank you this has been a very interesting conversation um i do end with a quote every episode so um i just targets doing a buy two get one free and being an old man now i bought three books instead of three video games and one's a book by this guy yuval noah harari he's a historian i haven't read the book yet but i found this quote and it's uh how do you cause people to believe in an imagined order such as christianity democracy or capitalism first you must never admit that that order is imagined (laughs) and i thought that's just that's a good one when we're talking everything that's happening right now that's that's good psychology right there it's just it's it's 
do you you have to believe that what you're doing is is real yeah that's and the once you basic stop thing. believing or once that belief even starts to fracture you got a problem and that's in regards to almost everything you know and that's yeah and that's why i believe the father of understanding shall always guide us in the templar order Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me, Jake. All right. Bye. Bye, bud.